0: You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Psalm 41. If you'll look in your Bibles, verse 1. And follow along here. Notice Psalm 41, verse 1, the Bible says, Blessed is he that considereth the poor, the Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he shall be blessed upon the earth, and thou wilt not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing, or when he's sick. Thou wilt make all his bed in his sickness." I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Mine enemies speak evil of me. When shall he die and his name perish? Isn't that good to have people thinking of of you in that way? And if he come to see me, he speaketh vanity. His heart uh, gathereth iniquity to itself. When he goeth abroad, he telleth it. Now listen to verse 7. All that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. They want that individual, the psalmist, David, to hurt. They wanted him dead. You you can read those passages and see that's exactly the goal that they had. But notice um, they devise my hurt. Now go over to 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4, and let's notice here in verse, uh, let's see, 12. Start in verse 12 with me. And we'll finish out this chapter. Now, Now notice this. Beloved or fellow Christians, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed ye may be glad also with exceeding joy if ye be reproached for the name of Christ happy are ye for the spirit of glory and of god resteth upon you on their part he is evil spoken of but on your part he is glorified but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, uh, let him not be ashamed, uh, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved... Where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, notice that last thought. Wherefore let him that let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well doing as unto a faithful creator. Let's have prayer there. Lord I'm grateful to be here again this morning. It's a blessing as I've already been saying it today. Always good to come back home and be a part of Eastside Lord and as we have broken again into the word of God, I'm asking you, Lord, would you help me to be able to preach this message in the manner that would be the greatest help, that would demonstrate the truths that the Bible speaks about in the greatest way, and may you encourage and challenge us here today, and we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I want you to listen to what the Bible says about Satan. Listen very carefully. The Bible says that he is a murderer. How many knows that he's not just a murderer because he has been responsible for taking the lives of many people but he's a murderer because that's what he wants to be. He can't wait for the next one. And every one of the traits guys that we read about Satan here it's not just because he has done those things and now you can call somebody that it's also because that's the desire of his life. He's given himself to these things. So first of all, he is a murderer, number 2 he is a liar. He is a thief. He's a deceiver. The Bible says he's the ruler of the darkness of this world. He's called a serpent. Now, how many of you have you dropped a snake was dropped in front of you on the ground and it slithered away? You would also be slithering away. Probably half the church would jump up and run. But the Bible calls him a serpent and uses that animal to describe what that uh, individual is like. Um, <clears throat> He's also described as the accuser of the brethren. He daily, I am convinced, goes before God with accusations of things that you and I have done wrong all day long. And we sure feed him with a lot of information, don't we? All of us have done things we wish we could take back and said things we wish we'd never t- said and done things we wish we'd have never done. But I'm so thankful every time the accuser goes before the Savior and says, look what he has, has, uh, has done against you, I'm glad Jesus holds his hands out. And shows that those are already taken care of. God's taken care of my sin. Satan is angry with the righteous every day. And he's going to do everything that he can possibly do. I promise you to try to hurt the Christian. To get you to hurt. And there's simply no way around that. I kind of joked about it. But I'm honestly very sore today. Uh, Parts of my body that I didn't even know I had parts of my body. And those parts of my body are hurting today and um, and i could take ibuprofen all day yesterday but i can't take it on sundays because i go hypoglycemic and you could care less about all those things but that's just the way i'm hurting today second timothy listen to what paul says to timothy in chapter 3 and verse 12 he said now <clears throat> yea and all that will live godly in christ jesus shall suffer persecution you're going to hurt it's going to happen Job encourages us in chapter 5 and verse 7. He said, yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. How many like s'mores? I, I love s'mores, and I love them around a campfire. They're even better around a campfire. And I love poking the marshmallows on a stick and watching the kids burn their marshmallows. And, but somebody comes along, inevitably, while well, I'm trying to toast my nice and brown, and pokes the fire and all those sparks, thousands of those sparks go flying upwards And God says that's the way trouble for a man really is. There's so many of them. Job was accurate. He also said in chapter 14 and verse 1, man that is born of a woman, and that would be pretty much all of us, is a few days and full of trouble. That's true. You know what I really appreciate about people that came in this morning and I got to shake your hand? I really appreciated your smile. That really means a lot to me. It's encouraging to me. But I, I know this without doubt, that in your life, there are things going on that would not put a smile on your face. Things that hurt. The suffering that God described to us there in 1 Peter. And I, I know there's parts of your life, whether it's in your heart or in a physical body, your physical body is in a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. There's a lot of hurt that goes on in the life of the Christian. Julius Caesar, one of Rome's most famous military and political leaders gave this quote he said it's easier to find men who will volunteer to die than to find those who are willing to endure pain with patience henry ward beecher uh, the american preacher and orator and writer said this he said the moment an ill and we could relate that to our pain or suffering or or hurt the moment an ill can be patiently handled it is disarmed of its poison, though not of its pain. I found that to be true. In other words, you can be experiencing pain and hurt, but not have its destructive qualities dictating your life. That's why you could shake my hand this morning with a smile when I know there's things in your life that are hurting. That's why you can do that today. Though there are some tough things going on, I can smile because God is my Savior, and if I died today, I go to heaven, amen. I mean, those are great thoughts, and and I have good things in store for my life. So what I want to say this morning is, guys, if we don't keep hurt in perspective, we will soon become one of its casualties, and the pews that have empty spots in them today will grow even more, and you will soon disappear. And somebody that was wanting to grow in the Lord and somebody that wanted to be faithful and somebody that had a desire when you used to come to church and you wanted to really worship God and you wanted to make sure he got all the honor and in, in the reason why you were at church that will soon drift away, and if you begin to focus only on the hurt, and if that's all that's on your heart and mind, and if all you can think about is how tough life is and how difficult it is to get out of bed and just, to, to just get to the house of God again, and if that's all you think about, you'll become one of its casualties. And the devil would love nothing more than to send you out these back doors and never come back again. That's his goal. <clears throat> hurt is inevitable, How you react to it determines whether your life is successful or not. For God, how do you act to those things that are difficult and hard in your life? So I've got three or four simple little points. Some of you might even have these points written somewhere in your Bible already or in 12 different pages at home that uh, uh, I've given down over the years. But if you've never heard this message before, just some simple little points might be good for you to jot down. Let me give you the first point. Number one, hurt comes to hurt. Isn't that profound? That was hard to figure out. Hurt comes to hurt. A couple of weeks ago, I was in the book of Revelation, and I think it was chapter 9, I'm not exactly sure, but it told about those, um, those fiery serpents, those uh, scorpions that would come out of, the, out of hell, basically out of the center of the earth, And the job of those scorpions was to sting men for, I believe it was like five months, and they would desire to die. The pain was so bad, and they couldn't die. But the job of those scorpions was to inflict pain. They had a job to do, and they did it very well. Um, You and I know God as our loving Savior, and still, I mean, we hurt. Those people in the book of Revelation are, most of them will be lost, and, uh, and they don't know Christ as Savior, but we know Him, and we hurt ourselves. You know what's odd is sometimes we get hurt because of a friend that's in our life. Hey, sometimes we inflicted the pain ourselves by some stupidity or an area of, of uh, maybe ignorance in our life that we weren't aware of certain things. It could have been an enemy that was sitting back and watching you and just waiting for the right time to, to get back at you, to try to take you out. Could have been the devil trying to watch you, and he knows your weaknesses, and and he knows when you're apt to kind of whine a little bit, and when you're apt to feel like you know people are down on me. And he knows those times, and Satan waits for the perfect moment to jump into your life and hop on your shoulders and whisper into your ear that if those were real Christians, they wouldn't say that about you, and real Christians wouldn't act like that towards you, and you know the you know the story. Satan wants you to hurt. Sometimes it's because of him. Uh, sometimes it's because of my sinfulness that I have uh, been involved in in my life. And God knows we all have sin in our lives. And, and sometimes it's those dumb things we do. The sinfulness that comes into our life brings hurt and pain. And it happens. Sometimes uh, it's during our innocence. I was just trying to serve God. I was just trying to do what was right. You read 1 Peter chapter 2, guys. Get into verse 18 and read down to the end of the chapter and it's full of verses about people who were just trying to do right and just trying to serve the Lord and and they're the ones that keep getting dumped on by everybody around them and they're the ones that the boss is coming down on and treated harshly. Sometimes it's just out of pure innocence uh, things come to you and happen and you're hurt. And I'd have to say when... uh, when families have had to leave our church, i got to tell you as a, as a pastor, <clears throat> it hurts unbelievably. When death knocks on our family's door, I don't need to tell you how that hurts. When aging takes its toll, I have to tell you, probably 20 years ago I preached this the first time. I was probably in my 30s or 40s and I thought, aging, <laughs> I'd say this point a little differently today. When aging takes its toll on our old, worn-out bodies, it hurts. Hurt comes in so many forms, it would be impossible to name all of them. You could give me your version of your hurt, but no doubt you are experiencing some hurt this morning. And I'm sure it's achieving its goal to hurt you. Those of you that are here hurting in your heart starts affecting the way you think your attitude about your family or even yourself or the church or the pastor whatever it might be those are the hurts that seem to have a tendency to drag us away and i, I just ask you would you please consider some of the thoughts we're going to give here this morning number one hurt comes to hurt but number two is probably the biggest one and the one i hope you don't forget hurt's main goal is not to hurt you Hurt's main goal is not to hurt you. And if you're note takers, please get this next line. Hurt's main goal is to hurt others through you. That's what he would really rather have happen. I believe with all my heart, the devil sits back and claps his hands and jumps up and down and shouts with joy when he watches you get hurt. When he sees you off in a corner crying and weeping and you're heart breaking and you're wondering why this happens to me. Satan loves that, and it's it's a joy to him, but that's not his number one goal. Please understand this. Satan's main goal is to be able to hurt somebody else through you and to multiply the way you're going to hurt somebody else. And if Satan gets his way with you and you're hurting, he really wants you just to be the mailman that delivers the hurt to many others. Uh, For instance, if you remember in the Bible how King Saul was uh, chasing little David, who's supposed to be the king, He's chasing him through the wilderness, trying to kill the very man that God had chosen to take Saul's place. Do you remember that story? If you've read the, the Old Testament at all, and you've come across that, it makes for such interesting and yet heartbreaking reading. And, and, and my question to you is this. Do you really believe that Satan was just trying to hurt King David You think that was his goal? If Saul could just finally catch up with him and wipe out that one little guy, you know, uh, not much more than a teenager, you think that was where Satan was really driving toward? No, please listen. Satan was after an entire nation because the devil knew like God knows that David was a man after God's own heart. Of all people in the world, Satan knew that. And God knew that as well. And Satan knows, if I can take a man that's after God's own heart and wants to live for God, and if that man became the king of a, of a nation, he would lead that nation in godly ways, and people would bow down to the real God, and they wouldn't bow down to Satan, uh, the devil, and Lucifer. And Satan knows that. So his goal is, yeah, he wants to hurt David. He'd love to kill him. He's a murderer. Remember that. But his number one goal was not to take one man out. He wanted to take an entire nation out. Put another man in there that didn't love God and didn't serve God. You read the story of the kings and see when a wicked man got into the kingdom, how bad things went for that nation and people turned away from God. Satan loved that. When he could get into the heart of one man and cause him to hurt, if I can just get him to to get into the lives of somebody else, I remember Paul was stoned. I mean, they stoned him so badly, they thought he was dead, and they left him for dead. And he came out of his unconscious state and stood up and probably stumbled around for a little while and and then walked right back into the very city where the people that stoned him were living. And do you really believe the devil's number one goal was to take Paul out, that little humpbacked man that couldn't see very well? You think that was his entire goal? Or do you think all the people who have been affected by the life of a dedicated man like the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, who gave such tremendous examples on how to live in this Christian life. Do you think really the the main goal of the devil was just to affect thousands, and I'd even say millions of other people by taking one man out, if they could just pass that hurt on to somebody else? On a little bit more of a personal level, do you really think that when a pastor hurts that the devil's number one goal is just to get that preacher that preaches the word of God to hurt? Do you think his number one goal is just to get that man to walk away from the pulpit and say, I'm done with that. I'm tired of pastoring those people. I'm sick and tired of these things being said about me or this happening to me or whatever it might be. Or There's a thousand things that have happened down through the years to men of God and they've walked away. I mean, Honestly, do you really think it's just to get one man to hurt? Or do you think he wants to hurt an entire congregation? Of course. He wants a whole church to hurt, to be disillusioned, and not understand why, why did he just walk away, and, and why did it happen that way, why did they say this? How did he get hurt? And then a whole congregation happens all the time. The devil's number one goal is not to just hurt you. But to hurt others through you, if he can just get you to pass it on to somebody else. He'd love nothing more than for me to gripe and complain and get out of the ministry so maybe many of you would become disillusioned and maybe quit. I don't know. You understand that Satan doesn't just want to hurt the alcoholic dad. You know that as well as I do. Boy, do they hurt. That's why they can't wait to get the next drink. But his number one goal is not to hurt that dad. You know this. He wants to hurt a whole family. He wants to mess a workplace up where he's supposed to work properly and wants to mess people's lives up. He works through one person who's willing to be the mailman and run around to a thousand different places and deliver your hurt to somebody else. Either just by the story that gets out, somebody finding out what's happened to you, or you affecting many other people on an individual level. Don't you think it would be an obvious thing to understand this morning then? That the devil doesn't want to just hurt you. He'd love for you to get hurt. He'd love to see your tears, and that'd be great. He claps his hands and enjoys tremendously when people are just aching and hurting. But do you really believe that's his one reason for you to hurt? Or is he trying to take your family down? Of course he is. You think that if you could hurt your family, that your family could maybe somehow begin to affect the lives of people in church today, people that are trying to serve God and yet they become affected by something that you've said or they become now disillusioned because your hurt has begun to be passed on to others? Of course, that's his number one goal, not just to hurt you, but that you would then begin to pass it on and that others would be brokenhearted and others would be torn apart and other lives would be disturbed by the hurt that's come to you. I'm going to quote a verse. If you know the verse, I'm going to ask you to help me finish the verse up. Romans 5.12. Those of you that know the Romans Road, this should come to you very quickly. But Romans 5.12, listen to it. And I want you to, if you can pick up on it, go ahead while I'm quoting it. The Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, or that all have sinned. Did you get the progression of all of that? Now, please, please listen to this. Here's what happened: Satan came to one person, started with Eve, and he knew, I bet I can get this woman to hurt today. I, I know her weaknesses. I know the kind of fruit that she likes, and I, I'm convinced I can make this woman hurt today. And then she took the apple and then whatever it was. And and then what did she do with that piece of fruit? What did she do? Passed it on to somebody else, didn't she? And their sin that came into their lives caused them to spiritually die. And what does the Bible say happened to an entire world? Death passed now upon all men now. We're all sinners because somebody else that hurt passed their hurt on to somebody else. And the whole world is now infected with sin And unless we know what it means to come to Calvary and understand the forgiving grace of God, then, friend, you're going to hurt all the way to hell. I'm trusting this morning, and when I finish my message today, I'll give an invitation about salvation. And if you've battled with the matter of being saved or not, you need to get that settled. I can tell you the place where hurt stops. We can go there today in just a few minutes. So number one, if hurt comes to hurt, and number two... Hurt's main goal is not to hurt you. It's to hurt others through you. Then can you write this one down? Number three, I'm going to hurt no matter what. That's it. I'm going to hurt no matter what. You know, for the last four months, I'll wake up with this headache right on the top of my head. That's a good place for a headache. Um, And it just doesn't seem to want to go away. It just kind of lingers there. And you know what I found out? that I could stay home, and I'd have a headache. (laughs) Or I can come to church, and guess what? I've got a headache. You know what? I'm going to hurt no matter what. Come to figure all those things out. You know if I'm discouraged? I think I'm just going to stay home. I'm discouraged. Well, what would happen if you went to church? I'd be discouraged, but where would you be? Church. (laughs) I remember years ago, Yvette was in the hospital, and she had that toxic shock that some of you are familiar with that story and she liked to die on me and and one of the most difficult times of my life and I remember uh, after she started coming around a little bit and things looked a little better I remember um, being in the uh, waiting room and trying to determine it was a Saturday night at this time and am I going to go to church and preach the message that I have or I'm just going to sit here in the waiting room because they weren't letting me in there very often that I could sit here and be concerned for my wife, or I can go to church and be concerned for my wife. By the grace of God, I was able to come to church and preach the message. I was concerned at the hospital, I was concerned at church, but I could be at church. I was encouraged by the church that day. Everybody was praying and encouraging us. I'm so glad I came to church instead of just sitting. You understand you're going to hurt no matter what. You understand what God tried to say to us a while ago that uh, all that live godly in Christ Jesus, they're going to suffer persecution. Did you read what Peter taught us there about how suffering is going to come to us? You're going to hurt. I, I know we get heartaches. And I know they're so bad that they make you want to leave. Thank God you're here this morning. And I know that brokenness, I know what brokenness can do to us. I know we can cry buckets of tears and just, I'm not making light of that. I'm being very serious when I say this. I know how bad we can hurt, but do you understand you're going to hurt no matter where you go in life? Why not come to the house of God? Why not begin to do the things that you know are right to do as long as I'm going to hurt no matter what? Let me just give you number four this morning. This This is really like tying the shoelace up if the shoe is loose. Number four, you can stop the hurt with you. Did everybody hear that one? You can stop the hurt with you. So, listen, if hurt's main goal is to hurt others through me, and and you know what, if I'm going to hurt no matter what, why don't I just determine I'm going to stop the hurt right here with me? I'm not going to be the mailman that passes my heartache on to somebody else. Let me say this real quick. Everybody, please listen to what I am going to say right now. I'm not saying that if you got a broken heart, you don't go to others and get encouragement and help. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that if you have trouble and you're hurting that you don't look for someone to be encouraging to you. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is this. Your hurt does not have to hurt somebody else. I'm going to hurt anyway, no matter where you go, what you do. Why not just say the hurt's going to stop right here? I'm not going to pass my hurt and my heartache to where you're brokenhearted and you're hurting and your life is falling apart. I'm not going to you know, cry and scream at you in a way that, because that's what's inside of me, to make you feel full of anguish and wonder, now what am I going to do? you got others running around the house. Their life's falling apart. The family's falling apart. And if I'm going to hurt, I want everybody to hurt. No. When will somebody stop and say, you know what, I'm going to hurt anyway. I'm just going to stop it right here. I'm not gonna pass it on to you. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want your life broken. Also, if you're hurting, guys, I promise you by the grace of God, you can work through the hurt. You really can. If I'm broken hearted, why not just keep on teaching that Sunday school class? through your broken heart. Keep working that bus ministry. Keep uh, being faithful to a a sound booth or a prison ministry or Sunday school class or those faithful in the nursery or the junior churches. Aren't you glad that while they hurt, they still come to watch our kids? Amen. Why not just work on through those things? Why not just determine Satan's not going to just use me as a delivery boy to, to deliver my hurt to dozens of other people? I'm just going to stop hurt with me. And then I'm going to go to to the grace of God. And from God's throne, I'm going to ask God, give me grace to endure what you've given to me in this life. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 1, But I determined this with myself, that I would not come again to you in heaviness. He had a broken heart. And he wasn't going to come to them with a broken heart and dump it on them. For if I make you sorry... Who is he then that maketh me glad, but the same which is made sorry by me? God says it another way in Romans 12 and verse 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's go back to Calvary some 2,000 years ago. Is everybody still with me? We're wrapping this up this morning. Let's go back to Calvary's mount. And let's see a Savior hanging on the tree. His face is so disfigured from being beaten. Um, They say when the lictor was whipping him with the whip, sometimes it was so severe it would rip a man's bowels out. I don't know if that's the way he was hanging. But he looked pretty bad on Calvary. Is there anybody here that would say, I'm sure glad Jesus didn't just say, I've had it with this bunch and passed the hurt on to you. You can have your own sin. You can take care of life yourself. If this is the way you're going to treat me, then go ahead and, he could have just said, go on to hell. Try to make it on your own. You're not going to make it. Uh, I'm just going to call 10,000 angels and I'm coming down from here and I'm leaving. I'll just tell you what I'm very, very glad about. I'm glad Jesus Christ saw the hurt of an entire world that was caused by somebody else who passed it on to an entire world. I'm glad when Jesus Christ looked down from heaven and saw how hurting you and I would be if we went into a devil's hell. I'm glad Jesus Christ planted a cross on Calvary's hill and said, "Uh, The hurt stops here. This is where it stops. This is where pain and suffering and anguish and and being delivered into a devil's hell stops right here. I'm willing to suffer and take the anguish and the pain. I'm willing to take the suffering so that others might be made free in the Lord. I'm just saying this this morning. There are people around you that are hurting. (laughs) That's been obvious. There are people here today that have broken hearts. Just like you. Why don't you just determine that through my hurt, maybe I can help somebody else get out of theirs. Through what I'm going through, maybe I can find somebody else and try to get them beyond that point. Because I'm hurting and God gave me His grace and showed me how to get past this part of my hurt, I think I'm going to take the grace that was given to me and pass it on to somebody else. If I'm going to pass something on to somebody, don't let it be the hurt that came into my life. God wants to bless you and comfort you and give you grace When you're hurting, and when he does so, take the grace of God, not your hurt, and pass it on to somebody else that's hurting. Why don't you help build somebody's life up and edify and strengthen and establish somebody's life rather than my life being a part of tearing somebody else down? Somebody could, in frustration, say, well, preacher, you're just being insensitive to my hurt this morning. And honestly, I'm really not. You may have misunderstood my spirit and what I was trying to say, but I can honestly tell you this. If you're here this morning and your heart is breaking, you've got anguish of soul. You've got physical ailments that are just overwhelming. I promise you, I know somebody who has what you need. And his name is Jesus Christ, And He has the grace and the comfort that you need this morning. And if you'd be willing just to set aside who may be sitting beside you and worrying about who's in church this morning or whatever, and just understand, if I'm going to stop the hurt here with me, I need His grace to do so. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.